know that really our whole nation is in a big transition. We really are. Uh, man, look, baby boomers, come on. Where's my baby boomers at? Where are y'all at? Yeah? yeah? They're very quiet. They're very quiet. Just, it's us, you know? Come on, look, we're, we're transitioning in a lot of areas. And, uh, and, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. And uh, we're no different. We're right, in the, we're right smack dab in the middle of it. And there's a lot of things that are going on. And, uh, but, it, but it's a blessing. And you know what? It's really the will of God. It's really the will of God that one generation would hand things off to the next in the proper way healthy, right? Y'all with me? Come on. And so today, uh, I just want to share some of that and share some of our story and, uh, and celebrate that, kind of look back and, and, and celebrate some of the things that has taken place. And, and so, uh, so I'm excited to be here, uh, excited for today, and let's just get right into it. So like I said, this past Wednesday night, 27 years, uh, transitioned, uh, and, 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 and here we are. And really where we're at is the foundation that we're standing on, I want to say, is it's, uh, it was built through a lot of prayer, a lot of work, and a lot of faith, all right? And, and you guys know that anything that's worth anything takes a lot of work to build it, correct? If anything's super easy, it's probably super cheap, all right? You know, get rich quick stuff, right? Somebody calls you and says, all you have to do is just sign this piece of paper and we're going to give you a million dollars. No, they're not, okay? They're going to steal everything you have, all right? It's not good. You know, hang up the phone. Uh, because anything that's worth something takes a lot of work. A good family, a good church, a good nation, it takes a lot of work, a lot of dedication. And, uh, and this church has been built on that. And, and really, I just want to take a second and I want to honor my parents, uh, you know, my dad's sitting right here on the front row. Um, and um, I've had the unique, uh, you know, ability, obviously, as his son to watch him 100% of the time, right? at home, on the stage. And something that I've said many times with some of you, again, maybe you haven't heard me say it. Um, he's the same whether we're at the house, sitting around the table, or at church, and he's on the stage with a bunch of people staring at him. It was the same person, and my parents were consistent. And, uh, you know, I went through times in my life where that was pretty much the only rock of my faith was my parents. And, and it was just such a blessing to be able to lean on them and still to this day um, uh, lean on, on, on my dad. And by the way, just so I could say real quick, uh, and I said this Wednesday night, but, like, my dad's not retired, by the way. So I'm like, so, so how are you liking retirement, Pastor Van? And he's like, I'm not retiring. Um, he's still on staff here at the church. All right. He's still got an office right, right, right around everybody else. And um, he's still going to be teaching from, from time to time. He's going to be in the normal rotation. And, uh, and so he's not going anywhere. All right. He's going to be over all the, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's good news. It's good news for us. I don't know about for you. He's like... Okay, I'll stay around for a little while, I guess. But um, no, uh, but also over building projects and all of the finances here at the church. He's been over that for, for 27 years and he's gonna remain in that role. And uh, also just as, a, uh, as an advisor and a, a staff pastor here at Northwood Church. So, uh, but I wanna honor them because, um, man, like, like nothing is built with, uh, like, like out of ease, okay? Nothing's built that's good, that's out of ease. And, and they've really invested their life into this church. And I'm gonna share a little bit more of our story. But uh, this month's series is about legacy. And that's what we're gonna be talking about and really leaving a legacy for the next generation. And, and in the, the bumper before I got up here, you saw, uh, I talked about four things. And these are four things that we do, four things that uh, we pray about, that we seek God in. And, and we believe that it's so important. We believe that we exist to help people know God, 
to find freedom. Come on, if you know the rest, let me out, let me, let me know. Discover purpose. Hey, Stephen knows. The rest of you just, I'll just start from the top. So we do these four things. We've been talking about them a whole lot, all right? We know, help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and to make a difference. And these four things really drives everything that we do. It really does. We believe that people need to have an encounter with Jesus, all right, for, for everything to, to make sense, okay? And then they, they've got to deal with their yesterdays. They've got to deal with their past. How many of y'all, you, you came into the kingdom of God with some baggage, okay? And, and whenever you, and even if you didn't have a lot of baggage, you still were born into sin. And that's kind of a big piece of baggage in your life, okay? Sin's sort of a, sort of a destructive thing, okay? But, but just finding freedom, discovering purpose. Uh, sometimes we get set free, but we don't know what for. But discovering purpose and then to, to do something with that purpose, and that's to make a difference. And that's really what we focus on. And we believe that, that if we do this well, that it fulfills the mission of God. All right, Jesus, before he left and went to, uh, back to heaven, okay, he left us with the great commission. And we believe that it's important for us to, uh, to fulfill that, that mission, that great commission. And we believe that if we do these four things well, that that commission will be fulfilled. And also that we will uh, have something that we can leave to the next generation. Do y'all know that we're not just doing this for ourselves, right? Like you're not just here today for yourself, but you're here for, to, to advance the kingdom of God. And we believe that these four things really does that. And the example of leaving a legacy that we'll be using a lot in this series is really from uh, King David. That's right, David and Goliath. And uh, if you know the story of David, you know that he made a lot of mistakes, um, which I think is why we love him so much because he's, we're like him. <laughs> he was like this great person, but yet at the same time, he was a terrible person. And he had Jekyll and, and Hyde thing going on. And, but what he did is, is throughout his life, he always, his heart was always after God. And that was like the staple in his life is that he always had a desire to know God and to please God. And, um, and, but at one point he had to turn over the kingdom. All right, King David had to turn over the kingdom and he turned it over to his son, Solomon, who really wasn't, he wasn't the firstborn. It wasn't really what everybody would think. And if you guys know the stories, which we, we went over the story a lot last year, um, some of the brothers, and there was a lot of animosity, a lot of violence that took place in King David's life. And, uh, and, and so Solomon takes over, right? But the thing was, is this, is that David, really part of, part of the, the desire of his heart was to build the temple. He wanted to build the temple of God. That was like, I mean, when it, towards the end of his life, he's like, this is what I want to do. And God told him, no. <laughs> Imagine this, you pray your prayer, right? God, the one desire in my life is this, Lord. If I could have this one thing. And God's like, no, just, just no, that's it. And uh, David's like, really? I thought, I thought it was going to work out. God's like, no, it's, it's not. And, and. <laughs> Really, he told David, he said, you, you killed too many people, man. You were a man of war and you're not gonna build a temple. And so this is what David does. He doesn't pout, which we're really good at pouting, right? Come on, Americans. It didn't get our way. But, but he doesn't pout. But what he does is he says, okay, that, that's cool. He says, then I'm gonna do everything in my power to set up my son Solomon for success. I'm gonna do everything in my power. I'm gonna gather all the materials I'm gonna spend all of my influence and I'm gonna build something to the, as far as I could build it and then I'm gonna hand it off to him. And that's what he did, which I think is one of the greatest examples of, uh, of a generational mindset 
David puts it into action for us and he shows it what it looks like. I mean, come on, uh, it's that cathedral thinking. You know, back in the day, whenever they used to build these giant cathedrals, one generation would start it and they knew that they weren't gonna be able to worship in it. They knew that they weren't gonna see it completed. And so they would do everything that they could in their lifespan in order to set up the next generation. We don't really have that mindset very much anymore because we're all about, come on, got a two-year plan and then we're gonna be there and then five years and we're done, we complete that thing versus it may take literally my entire life, all right? So, so it's a generational mindset. David had this and so we're gonna be looking at that. And, um, and really we're kind of in that place right now where there's a handoff taking place. And I think one of the greatest examples of a handoff or a transition is the example of, uh, of runners and whenever they're handing off a baton to the next runner in a relay race, uh, because so many things happen in that time period. So many things happen in that, in that transition and they have to go well for that to successfully take place. You know what I'm talking about? You got two people, all right? And, and one's been running for quite a while and they've got this baton in their hand and they're coming to the end of the leg of the race that they're in and they begin to reach out to hand this thing off to somebody, right? And that somebody has got to be prepared and ready and looking back a little bit and putting that hand out, you know what I'm talking about? And then they have to begin to run. And then there comes a moment where one person has to hand it and release it, kind of important, but just as important is that the other person has to actually take hold of it and then take responsibility for it and begin to run. And in that transition, there's a lot of times that there's failure, right? And it could be from one spot or the other. It could be the one that has the baton not wanting to give up that baton, right? There's identity in that. There's purpose in that, right? There's this, been doing this for a long time and they, and they won't release it. But then guess what? Sometimes the next person Maybe they don't want that baton. Maybe they don't want that weight, that responsibility, and they don't receive it. See, it takes both. And the art of that in our culture, I believe, is being lost to a great degree. You know that in the business world, I believe it's like 80% of business owners really desire to hand off their business to either a family member or a close friend or, or see their business go to the next generation. Most businesses do. I mean, they've built their whole life. They spent their whole life building something. They want to see it continue after they retire, right? But you know that it's about 30% of those businesses actually see that take place. That's in the business world. And I would actually argue to say that in the church world, it's, it's much lower than that. It's much lower than that. And there's a lot of factors for that. But I think, guys, can we just be honest and be excited about what we're a part of? Like in this church that... It, it, it's being handed to a new generation. And by the way, even though, you know, I may have the title of lead pastor, uh, we have a team of pastors here at this church that are phenomenal men of God. And uh, yeah, can we, can we honor them? Yes. There at Wiggins and, and Long Beach, we've got Mike Minnis is our Wiggins campus pastor and, and Micah is our Long Beach campus pastor. And Casey's right here in the front row, our executive pastor, uh, my brother-in-law. And then uh, Steven's over here, he's our, our next-gen pastor. And then obviously we still got dad on staff. I mean, hey, still got a lot of experience there. So I, I, did, I did the math the other day. And between just the staff pastors, 
We have 123 years of attendance in this church. That's a lot of years. We're committed to this church and we're committed to build this church for it to be everything that it can be for the glory of God. And so I'm excited to be in this place because this place, we have a legacy and we have a responsibility as we begin to move forward to not only give the baton, right, but also to receive it. And to the older people in this church, I'll let you decide what older means. That's for you to decide. I want you to know that your value is greater now than it was in the past or it has been. It actually is increasing. Continue to lead from your place of experience and wisdom. This church needs gray hair, all right? This church needs many, many years of experiences. This church needs to to be enriched by the successes and the failures of the older generation. This church needs that. So just because maybe a younger person steps into a certain role does not mean that there's any lesser value. Actually, that means that there's more. I beg to argue that my dad's uh, value is actually growing through this, this transition, not decreasing, all right? And to the younger people, you are to take the weight of the kingdom of God to disciple and train and serve and lead. There's some people in this church that have been serving for 20 and 30 years. They've been leading small groups. They've been leading ministries. They've been, they've been at the forefront of the building projects. They're the, the men that have shown up at 7.30 in the morning to build this building. The men that have shown up and busted their thumbs over and over to build something. And those same men and women go to weekly small groups and minister to people, right? Now, there comes a time whenever somebody else has to step into that role and begin to carry that weight. And you younger people, listen, I understand that in our culture, things just kind of seem to come easy and they just happen, right? Like, like we download an app and it just works. We didn't, we didn't have to think about how it got built. We, didn't, we, just, we just use it. That is not what this is. This is not just a building that you show up to and somebody else is doing everything and it just works. Like it just happens. Like oh, I showed up on Sunday at, at 929, walked in the building and just, man, the AC was on, everything's cool. And then I roll out right when he says, amen. All right, like that's not what's built this church. That's not what's built anything, but it's also what's not going to build this church to the next place. All right, so to the younger people, I know that there's, there's reasons that it's hard to fit in the, the purpose of what God has you on this earth to do, okay? I know there's a lot of distractions, but I wanna challenge you to not be the, the person that the baton's being handed to and you not grab a hold of it and carry it. It's, it's, it's our time, guys. It's our time to step up and be counted. So, so I wanna rally the troops of the younger people in this church and younger, again, all right? I'm not talking about like 15, I'm 33, I consider myself to be young, all right? Come on, Generation X, millennials, let's stand up. Let's stand up, all right? (laughs) 
I love the way that Psalm sums up this, this generational mindset of our purpose. Because guys, listen, our, our purpose is to carry the, the message of Jesus Christ to the next generation. Like that's really, that's really one of the, the big purposes that we have. And this is the way that I, I love it puts it in Psalm, Psalm 78. It says this, we will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. This is what we're doing, y'all. We are carrying the glorious deeds. We, we, some of you, God has done some just, just awesome things in your life. And your story would be something that would birth faith in other people, but also in younger people, right? And it's so important that you realize the power in that and that you exercise that. And you do that so that way the next generation can do the same thing and put their hope in Jesus and not in themselves. So let's keep teaching the gospel and telling people about God's glorious deeds that the next generation might know him and, and, and put their hope in him, right? Y'all with me on that? Yes. We're gonna keep doing it. And, and so I wanna take a second, and I, I do wanna share a little bit about my story because, uh, again, many of you, you don't know me from anybody, all right? I'm just some the random person standing up here. And, and maybe you've only been around for a couple of months, and there's not a lot of this deep-rooted, like, wow, this is really cool. It's just kind of like, okay, I need you to know kind of what has led up until this point. And, and I can't go into all the detail. It would take way too long. Uh, one of the great ways I think that you could know this would be to go through the growth track, which uh, uh, is, is it's every month, it's rotating. And um, in the first week, we have a great video that really looks back and kind of shows where we've been and how we've got where we are. And I think it would be really important for you to do that. But, but I just kind of want to give you a, a few points of my story. Uh, you know, we moved here in 1989. My dad was associate pastor at a church in Louisiana. And uh, I was four, uh, so I didn't move here. I was just along for the ride, okay? I just showed up along with everybody else. And, um, and we, Building 2 was the, the main location, the only location. And uh, we had about 35 people or so and about $100,000 in debt. So things were really looking up. I mean, it was... <laughs> It was good. And um, God spoke to my dad and said, you're going to pastor this church. Like, this is it. And, um, and so he said, yes. And so we came and uh, just began to build. Dad began to work. Mom began to work and pray and believe God. And, and not always knew all the answers, but just tried to remain faithful. And God began to bless what was happening here at Northwood. And uh, for, for me, I started playing drums around like three or four years old and not like really playing drums, but you know, beating on toy box lids and whatnot. And, uh, but about the age of seven, um, I, uh, I had to play drums one day because the drummer didn't show up. And so it was like, all right, Jordan, go ahead. And so seven years old, I got up in front of, I don't know, 50 people or so. And uh, I played drums and, and I, it was really bad. All right, um, I was playing drums and the drum stool that I was sitting on broke in half, literally just like the hinge broke and I fell straight back, backwards. So yeah, so picture your seven-year-old, picture them being up in front of like 50 people, 
playing drums for the first time, shaking, literally shaking. And then it's like, okay, he's doing okay. And then watch him fall straight back, <laughs> right? Awesome, good times. So uh, we didn't have really good gear back then. And so uh, at that point, my parents came and rescued me. They picked me up and they said, Jordan, it's gonna be, no, they didn't. They watched and said, what's he gonna do? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> tough love, we're Cajuns, man. So. <laughs> So I got back up and, and I went to play, I played the rest of the set just standing up because um, I actually did that more than I sat on a stool because my legs were so short, I couldn't reach the pedals. So it was easy for me to stand. And uh, still to this day, sometimes I could, no, it's fine. I could, <laughs> I could reach the pedals now, uh, except when I drive, I need to, no, it's fine. Help of a phone book helps, no, it's good. So uh, anyway, got up and, and, and really, that was, that was the time where I, I started my ministry, all right? I started playing drums and I, I have never left the worship team since then. Um, grew and just began to, I learned some different instruments and started singing. Um, started singing whenever I was like 11 or 12 and it wasn't good. It didn't start sounding good probably until I was like 14. But I was so desperate that at some point I had a microphone like 13 in youth. I don't know why, but it was probably really bad. I'm glad we don't have many recordings of that time. <laughs> rough times, but, um, but started cutting my teeth there. And, you know, whenever I was, uh, whenever I was, I was five, it was the first time that I really felt God, uh, you know, speak to me in regards to, to salvation. Like I realized like I need to be saved. And it was a, a very, it was a five-year-old understanding of that. Uh, but but I, I bugged my dad enough and, and we ended up praying in the living room. I think maybe I was closer to six and uh, pray, praying in the living room and, and I got saved, right? Well, well, then when I was 12 years old, uh, I could take you to the spot in building two where um, I began my journey and my walk with God, like personally. Uh, it's just, I don't know, one day it just clicked. It was like, this, this has got to be your thing, like your relationship with God. And, um, and so I, I, re, I not recommitted, but I, in my opinion, like really for myself started my journey with God where I started feeling conviction, okay? You know what I'm talking about? Where I did something and I felt convicted about it, not just scared about getting whipped from my mom. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, no, this is about my relationship with God. And, and then it began to grow and through my teenage years, I had some high points and some low points. Come on, what teenager hasn't? <laughs> Am I right? You look back in your adolescent years and, and uh, I had some low points with, with God and some high points with God and, um, and was able to make it through those things. And at the age of 18, uh, me and, and Micah over in Long Beach, uh, we actually became small group leaders at the same time in, uh, in Straight Gate, which was our youth group. And uh, we were like, are you serious? This is crazy. You know, we're small group leaders, uh, so much value in that. And so we stepped into that role and began, we just continued to serve in our youth ministry. And, um, and meanwhile, I was continuing to, to lead worship um, and just growing in that. And you know, God was teaching me a lot of things through that time, uh, just about longevity, about endurance, about faith, about trusting God, about getting up in front of people and it not being about you, but being about him. Uh, just all of these things about, about hearing from God and, and being able to, in the moment, minister, right? Like all of these little things that, that you can't write down in, in a piece of paper, but you just kind of have to experience. It just started kind of cutting my teeth on those. And he was also teaching me about humility, <laughs> probably more than anything else, you know, because I, I did, um, and those of you that knew me whenever I was, I was younger, um, I, I talked a lot and uh, I let you know what I was thinking about what was happening at that moment, very opinionated. And, uh, you know, some things started happening where I, I started hurting some people that I loved. 
started hurting some friends. Um, There's a couple guys that I was very close to and I was probably about 23-ish or so. And, um, and I thought everything was pretty cool. And then one day our relationship exploded. And, and then this guy just let me know all of these things that I had said to him. And, and there was, I mean, it kind of went both ways. It wasn't all my fault, right? But there was an element of it that he said, man, you, you know, you said a lot of things that just hurt me. And then I had to really do some soul searching and I had to break in a few areas. And uh, I mean, you know, you look back in your life and you have those moments with God where like he really did something in your, your perspective of, of people right? Like how you love people. And that was one of those times. It was very uh, humbling, but it was, a, it was a good breaking time for me. And, and it was one of those big steps in my heart and my walk with God. And so anyway, I just began to progress. And, and in that time, I, uh, I actually, at the age of 18 and 19, I was school secretary here at the church. Uh, we had a school and I was a school secretary. Thank you, Tim. You know, uh, <clears throat> that too was a humbling experience. I'm gonna take 30 seconds. It was a funny story. I uh, got pulled over by a cop uh, when I was about 19 or, or so, and, and uh, maybe maybe 20, and and uh, he pulled me over. And uh, anyway, I didn't need to get pulled over, but that's neither here nor there. It's fine. It's fine. But he uh, he said, "Well, where are you working?" I was like, I looked at him and I said, "I'm a school secretary at Northwood Christian Academy," and he looked at me with this look of compassion, and he was like. Okay. <laughs> then he walked back to his, his car and did something, came back and <clears throat> he, he voided out the ticket. He said, man, I just wanted to, uh, you know, I just, I, don't worry about it, you know, whatever. And he said, I just respect what you do. And uh, he said, respect. I would, I would like to say that I think he just felt sorry for what I did. But because um, I, I, was, I was at the end of the ropes there. And so, so meanwhile, I was kind of looking at what's next in my life. And uh, I had been dating Nadine, my wife, uh, not at that time, but uh, we started dating when we were 14. And so we were at this, I was at this pivotal point of, okay, who am I going to be with? What am I going to do? Because I'm not going to be a school secretary forever. This is not happening. And um, my, my, my good friend was worship pastor at the time, uh, Keith Anderson, and just one of those guys in my life that just was very, very influential. And, um, and I was like, man, I'm, I'm going to college. I'm going to be like JD. I'm going to be an electrician or something. I don't know. I just got to get out of this office. This is hell. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And uh, he's like, dude, no, come on, man. Cause I was doing a lot of stuff with the church and, and he was like, man, we, we can figure something out. So, um, the one thing I wasn't going to get was go to my dad and ask for a job. I wasn't going to do that. The way that I looked at it is if, uh, if I've got value, uh, then it's just going to kind of make a place and not just from him saying yes. Uh, by the way, uh, there was never a point in my life that my dad or my parents ever pressured me or my sisters to be involved in the ministry here, um, like ever, ever. And uh, there was never a, well, you know, you really should. Mm-mm. No, it was all internal. It was all a motivation. It was just a, like, of course, why would we want to do anything else? It, it was just natural. And so I think it's important for some of you to realize that, um, especially if you don't know us very well, uh, like, oh, I see what's going on. Um, it, it, it's not like that at all. And uh, at that point, I was like, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to put my dad in that position. I'm just going to go do something else. And if it should happen, it should happen, right? And um, so anyway, uh, put together a job description and Keith brought it and, and, and dad's like, all right, I think we could do that. So I came on as media guy and worship guy and uh, crawl under the trailer and clean out stuff guy and um, just did that for a long time and, and God began to, to build some things in me and um, at, at one point I became the youth pastor and the worship pastor at the same time and that was bad 
That was a bad time of life, all right? What I mean by that, it was, just a, it was a stretching time in my life. It was a time where I realized that like, like doing this is not all about your ability because your ability runs out. Your talent hits a lid and it's where you have to begin to trust God even more to a greater degree. And uh, after six months of that, I was on my dad's couch crying. <laughs> I'm quitting, this is terrible, you know? Just stuff was going down that I wasn't prepared for, but I was growing. I was growing and, and made it through that time. And, and again, Micah uh, took over as, as youth pastor at that time. So I moved to worship pastor and that was about eight, eight years ago or so, nine years ago. And, um, and God's been faithful, you know? From there, uh, I kept, kept doing worship. And there was a time that I went through where I wasn't, I didn't feel like worship and music was the end point for me. Like I, di I didn't feel like it was, uh, like I'm not gonna be doing this 100% forever. And I didn't know what that meant because here's the deal. Um, never once did I ever desire to have the, the, the term or the title pastor by my name. Um, I grew up in it, I knew what that meant and I didn't want anything to do with it, <laughs> all right? Um, I knew what that meant for my family. I knew that, what that meant for me. And so I didn't desire that at all. I was, actually, I was, I was very happy about having someone else have that title. I loved being assistant worship guy. That was great. Just show up and just like, if anything goes bad, I don't know, talk to this guy, it's not me. You know what I'm saying? It's a great, being number two is great. You know what I'm talking about? Like assistant two is just usually, I mean, it's a great place, low responsibility. And, um, um, but I knew that that wasn't it. And, but God began to stir some things in my heart. And, and I'm gonna kind of fast forward a little bit, but I got to a place where um, I, I knew that this church was, was moving to the next season. And I knew that dad's time was beginning to get short, all right? And I think we said, no more than five, no less than, no, no, yeah. No more than five, no less than 10, I'll be here. And, and he was saying that to everyone and, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay, you know? And, and, and because there was a part of me that said, there was a part of me that, that was like a, it was nudging, like it might, that might be your next step. Um, you know, we always say you have a next step, right? You always got next steps. Well, God's like, you have a next step. And I'm like, no, I don't. Uh, this is good. But um, God began to really deal with me about some things and began to speak more and begin to teach more. And um, at one point, it really started getting intense, which was like, okay, you know, is the next step for me to, to be pastor or not? And uh, this is one thing about me and my life is that I've never made a big decision without a moment of clarity and peace that only comes from God in my heart. Like, like I have to have this, this moment where I can actually lean into that decision. And it happened with my wife. Uh, we had been dating for a long time and I just didn't have a peace, didn't have a peace. And finally it was like, like, either we're together or we're not. Like either we're gonna get married or we're not, you know? And we tried to break up and I didn't eat for five days. And <laughs> it was like, I love her <laughs> too much. And this is, I'm, I can't walk away from this. But there was a moment in Three Rivers Road, I could take it to the spot where I was driving and I went over this little hump and, and uh, just, you know, this little bump. And, and it was like, all of a sudden it was like, grace filled my heart to marry Nadine. And it was just this, I didn't look back. It was like, well, yeah, this is it. This is my wife, this is it. And, and all, that, all that, that frustration or that tension was relieved. And, and I was seeking God because I was having a lot of tension in my heart about you know, the next phase for, for myself, but also for this church. And, 
And it got really intense for a couple of years. Uh, very intense. Every prayer that I prayed, I was praying about what, what God, and Lord, I need a word. Like God, y'all been there before in your life where you're just like, Lord, I need to hear something. Like you got like a bird flying through the house. I mean, give me something to lean on. You know what I'm saying? I was at that place. I was getting very desperate and it came to a spot about, about, maybe about two years ago, a year and a half ago, where I was at a conference, a pastor's conference. And um, I was sitting there and just completely, honestly, internally depleted because I'm not really talking to anybody about it. Not really, this wasn't a me and dad talk this thing out. No, this was a, this was me, like God, me and you, I gotta hear from you. And, uh, and so I ended up at this, the end of this conference and, and I, I hope I'm not boring you guys. This is just my story, man. So I just want you to know what's up. But um, uh, sitting there and a bunch of round tables. And at the end, they did the whole, all right, we're gonna close out the conference and, and just come up and, and uh, uh, have somebody pray for you. Kind of like what we do at the end of each service. We're gonna have a moment where you come up and get some prayer. And what it was is the, the lead team was gonna come up there and be praying. So um, everybody starts making lines and I'm at the, I'm at the end of it, y'all. Y'all know whenever you start getting so spent that you start kind of wigging out a little bit, like your emotions start wigging out in your head, like you can't think straight. And like, you, you just, you kind of want to punch a wall, a wall in one moment, but then the next you want to fetal position and cry. Like, I, that's kind of where I was at. Cause I was like, Lord, like sweaty palms. Like, come on, God, I need. So what I did is I knelt down by this, ch- in this chair and I began to weep. Like uh, one of the, probably the hardest I've ever cried in my life because I was desperate. I was, it's like no games anymore, God. Like I'm done with the, I'm done with just praying. Like I got to have something. And, um, so I just began to pray and intercede and just ask God for direction. And I got up and, um, you know, did the whole like, I'm good, everything's fine, you know? And I got in line and I was holding it together. And uh, finally, uh, one of the pastors opened up. Actually, it was Pastor Randy Bazette who came here last year and spoke. Um, and I, was, I ended up in his line and I, and I got to his position and I just put my hands up and I just started crying again. I, had, <laughs> I was done. And um, we had never obviously talked about anything. And, and I mean, he probably knew something was going on, obviously. Why is Jordan weeping right now? And he just began to pray. And it was just general prayers. Lord, just thank you for Jordan. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. And then there was kind of like a pause. And then he began to speak. And, and if you've ever received a prophetic word from God in your life, you know the tone, it's different. You know what it starts producing in your heart, it's different. It's not just somebody praying over you, it's somebody speaking life into you and faith into you. It just, it changes something on the inside of you. And he said a few things that it broke loose so many chains in my heart about, uh, about moving forward in my life. You know, because whenever you grow up in something, you have certain expectations of what a senior pastor looks like, what a senior pastor sounds like. And whenever you don't feel like you meet up to those expectations, you discount yourself, okay? And you can apply that to anything in your life. You just assume that that's what that would look like. And so then you assume that that's not you. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe for you it might be like being a, a good father, like, I just, I don't, I'm not, I'm not that kind of guy. I don't think that I could be a good father. So you discount yourself before you even, you know what I'm saying? And it steals your, steals your confidence. And I was in that place and the things that he spoke broke off all of those lies, broke off all of that weight and it birthed faith in my heart to a point where I could say yes, where I could say yes. I could actually say 
yes, God, whatever it is, even if it's that, I'll do it. And I walked away actually being able to breathe and actually talk. And uh, within a few weeks, uh, got together with my dad and, and, and Casey and we talked about it. And uh, you know, those God conversations where it just falls into place. It's what took place. And, um, and so since that time, we've been building towards this, this moment, this year. And, uh, and I'm excited. I'm very honored to, to be in this spot. Um, it's nothing I, that I take lightly. Uh, but it's something that I, I do take and, and I'm ready for, and me and my wife are, are ready for. You know, uh, whenever you're married, you don't ever make a decision just solo. Like once you're married, everything you do, it's you two together. It's our decision. It's we are doing this. And uh, so that was one of the first, you know, we talked, us three guys, and then the next conversation I had was with my wife. And I said, babe, this is what I feel. This is why I feel where we're headed. And, um, and, she said, okay, <laughs> I trust you, <laughs> I'm with you, uh, which was kind of funny. This, it's the same thing whenever I asked her to marry me, I said, hey, babe, before, I, you know, before we move forward, like, I'm never gonna be the guy that like, brings you all over the world and can give you this giant house and all these awesome things. Like, I'm not gonna be that guy. Like, I'm not gonna make all this money. Uh, like, hey, just, just go ahead and get that out the way right now. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, and if you're, if you're cool with not having all of those things, then, uh, then I think this could work. And she was like, I'm with you, you know? And, and it was kind of the same thing here. It was like, babe, this is what I think. Are you with me? And, and she said, yes. And she's not here right now. And the reason is, is because she is like 37 weeks pregnant and uh, she needs just about as much sleep and sitting down as, as possible. And so I think she'll be here, she'll be here in the uh, second service. But um, I want to honor her because she's a good mom. She's a good wife. Yeah. And uh, but we're excited about this next phase, this next season. And, um, you know, I'm excited about this church. I'm excited about what God has done. I'm excited about where we're at. You know, uh, we're, we're a church with about 2,000 members. And we're a church of three locations with a lot of land and a lot of buildings. And it's all debt-free. That is phenomenal. All right? I want to let you know that. And that's come from a lot of people that have been very faithful for a long time. Very, very faithful in giving and serving and praying and in just co-laboring with God to build his kingdom in this area. And so, uh, so you know, it, it, I know some of you are kind of like, okay, so, so where do we go from here? Like, what's the next step? Well, today's not one of those days where we're gonna like go in depth about what the future looks like, but I'm gonna tell you a few things about what we are gonna do. And uh, we're gonna continue to build on the foundation that's already set. You know, uh, some people, whenever they come into a new uh, business or a new project or a new house, they, they want to tear everything down, ground up the foundation, get it out the way, and let's actually build something. That is not what's happening here at this church. We're going to build on the great foundation that we have. And if you've been around any amount of time, you know that we have a great foundation here of, of integrity, of, of, you know, excellence, of faithfulness, of commitment, of leadership. And we're going to continue to build on that. And really, we're going to lean into it. We're going to lean into that legacy. All right. And also, we're going to look at the fruit of God's faithfulness and let it produce faith in our hearts for the next season. You know, whenever you look back in your life and you see those things that God has taken you through, those mile markers, it produces faith for maybe something that you're in right at that moment. 
You know, whenever I, I hit a wall in my relationship with God or, or just in my walk or my faith or something takes place and I, I can't understand it, a lot of times I look back and I look at maybe where I've been or what I've seen God to do in other people's lives and it builds faith in my own heart for that season. And that's what we're gonna do in this church is we're gonna look back over the last you know, 30, 40 years of, of, of church and of ministry and we're gonna see where God's got us now and that's gonna build faith in us to tr- continue to trust God for what's coming in the future. Are y'all with me on that? Are you with me? Good. So... As we close today, two things. Number one is that the message of Jesus is the crux of what we do. The cross of Jesus, the, the, like what he's done on the cross for us is so important. And it's everything that we point to. I think sometimes in church, we're kind of waiting for like that next thing to talk about. And it's like, there is not really much else to talk about. Like that is the, the core thing that we're involved in. And in this room right now, I believe there's some of you that you've come to church because it is the beginning of the year. And you're kind of like, okay, I need a fresh start. And I wanna let you know that your fresh start is not in just coming to a building, but your fresh start is in giving your heart to God, turning over your rights to your life to Him, trusting Him, believing in Him. We've sang about it. We've talked about it. I'm sure many of you have heard about it. But today, I think it's time for some of you to actually put your faith in it, to put your life in it, like, like, like nothing else. Like I'm all in for Jesus. And I wanna give you that opportunity to do that right now because God can use somebody talking about the transition of a church and talk to you about where you're at in your faith with God. And I believe that some of you right now, you know that today's the day. It's time to make a decision. I wanna give an opportunity for that. So right now, would you bow your heads, close your eyes and, I know that some of you in this place, in Long Beach and in Wiggins as well, you're just feeling like today is the day. I do need a fresh start. I know God's with me, but, but it's time for me to make a decision to be with Him. And right now, I wanna give an opportunity for that to take place. Jesus is faithful. He came, He lived a, a sinless life and, and died a terrible death for you to pay the price for your sin, your shame. So today, all you have to do is receive salvation. So if you're in this place and that's you, I wanna say a prayer and I want you to agree with this prayer. Maybe repeat it. Maybe you just wanna pray yourself. However it is, it's about you posturing your heart before God, surrendering your life life to Him right now. So let's pray. God, I come before you humbly. I'm broken. God, I need you. God, the things that we've even said and read today God, has just spoke to me. And God, I know that you are my refuge. You're my hiding place. And today I know that I've been running from that place. So Lord, right now I bow my knee before you. I bow my heart before you. God, and I ask for you to save me, to renovate my heart and my life. God, that I would live a life for your, for your glory, for your fame. God, I've been living for myself up until this point and I know I'm wrong. I know I'm off. And so God, I pray that you'd forgive me of all of my unrighteousness and that you would clothe me in your righteousness, God. I know that there's nothing that I could do to receive it, to earn it, but all I have to do is receive it. And I believe today, I place my trust in you, in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, actually, you know what? Right now, I wanna take a moment and I wanna pray. I wanna pray over this church. I wanna pray over the future. God, we come before you as a body. God, as Northwood Church, 
And Lord, we are praying for the future. God, we are praying for this next phase in this journey. God, we know that it's not completing, it's just beginning. And so God, we are praying for faith to rise up in our hearts, for faith to rise up in in our eyes, God, that we can see with your eyes where you want to take this church. God, that we would be committed 100% to work, to work and to serve and to move the kingdom of God forward in our lifetime. God, we are surrendered. God, we, we are ready. God, we are poised. God, for you to do something great in South Mississippi. We're committed to it, Lord. So God, we pray for your favor. We pray for your presence upon everything that we do, everything that we plan. God, that it would be from your, your, your heart, God, and not from our own. We're submitted, we're surrendered, we're ready. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, you agree, would you say amen in this place? Come on, come on. Thanks so much for watching Northwood Church. Wherever you're watching from, we want you to know that we consider you family. We as a church wanna help people know God, and our hope is that today you are encouraged and closer to God through this program. If you just prayed that prayer, first let me say congratulations. Starting your relationship with God is the best decision you can make, but it's also just a start, and we wanna help you on your journey of faith. If you're watching and you want to become a partner in what God is doing in South Mississippi through Northwood Church, you can give simply by texting the amount you want to give to the number 228-215-3421. Again, that number is 228-215-3421. By giving, you're helping local food pantries, women's resource centers, missions, outreaches, and so much more. Even just $5 can go a long way. Again, text the amount to 228-215-3421. Northwood is one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and Long Beach, Mississippi, and we'd love to see you there. You can check out our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. Be sure to connect with us at northwood.tv or on social media to stay up to date with all the exciting things happening around Northwood Church. Thank you for watching, and we hope to see you soon.